<laughs> also today, I just want to mention this because I've been giggling about it all um, uh, morning. I was like researching something for a potential article about the boys. And do you know that scene in the boys like just Homelander lets the plane crash? Yeah. I was just on that to get a screenshot for the article. And just the top comment was, well, it's not surprising. It's called Homelander, not Planelander. I, I saw that <laughs> as a TikTok not long ago going around. It, yeah. it, just, it, just, it just had me. But yes, welcome to another episode of Wiki Week Days with me, your host, Carl Smallwood. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Lucas Holland. Hello there. Very um, uh, Ewan McGregor-esque with that hello there, Lucas. I give it my best. I didn't really... Uh, and for anyone who's not listened to the podcast before, or just wants to hear me say it again, um, uh, the uh, the theme of Wiki Week Days is myself and Lucas will scour the lengths and breadths of the internet to find a random wiki on a subject that we're interested in and share it with you, our audience. And we have a little gimmick where you can let us know in the comments which wiki won this week. And I believe I went first last week, so it's your turn to go for the first wiki. And there's no theme this week, so it's just whatever you found that you want to talk about, which oh, wait, is... We're not doing the Barbie Oppenheimer podcast, no? No. Is yours about Barbie? You can no. do Barbie if you want. I, I was very tempted to um, look up a Barbie thing, but I have not gone that way. In fact, I've gone a little bit, little bit maybe like polar opposite to what Barbie is. What would be the opposite of Barbie? Well, it would be Action Man, right? Near or enough. GI Joe, maybe. So I've gone, I've gone close to Action Man, and that is just the man that is Tom Cruise, and I have gone for the <laughs> Mission Impossible film series. Okay, because Mission Impossible is also in the theatre, and I kind of feel bad for Tom Cruise that he's trying really hard to promote Mission Impossible, and it was like, but the Barbie movie, though. And it's like, he, he threw himself off a mountain for this movie and strapped himself to an exploding train, and everyone's like, would you see Margot Robbie on the pink carpet, though? Yeah, like, they, it looks like they've basically made, like, the Uncharted 2 train sequence happen in real life, but yes, they've gotten really fucking good reviews apparently the movie's amazing but nobody's talking about because it's just the barbie oppenheimer thing like mission impossible might be one of the just like low-key best movie series because i don't think there's ever been a bad mission impossible movie and every single Mm. one gets better Mm. in terms of like you know the spectacle and scale why which one do you not like i don't i don't remember mission impossible 2 being a good movie that's the one the motorbike chase right that's the John Woo one. John Woo, like, it might be a bit different, but I think, like, all the Mission Impossible movies are, they're very, very good action movies. I think... And the it fact just, it's all done practically as well. Maybe Mission Impossible 2 was, like, seen as, like, okay at the time. We'll get into that, I suppose. Um, but I think in this series of, like, action thriller movies, the John Woo one really stands out as being, like, completely different and weird in the franchise now. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it it's sets such a, very a tone, whereas MI two just is completely against it. Yeah, and I really do like the Mission Impossible movies. Like it's like I said, low key. Just it's like when we discovered that Carl Urban's one of our favorite actors. Mm-hmm. It's like oh yeah, he's in a bunch of movies that I like. I think same thing with Mission Impossible. Like, I I've never not watched a Mission Impossible movie and walked away entertained. They're awesome. It's all done practically. I'm a huge lover of practical effects. And just Tom Cruise is insane, as we're probably yeah. going to discuss. As we are. We're yeah, specifically talking about Mission Impossible, the film series. And it is a series of American action spy films based on the 1966 TV series created by Bruce Geller. Mm-hmm. And that's why you still have that very classic Mission Impossible theme. 
Yeah, I can't remember whether they um, were using it in the newer movies or not. They always do. They always do. It's right. similar to like, you know, the James Bond theme. I think Mission Impossible is just American James Bond. And I'm going to be controversial here as a Brit, as I prefer Mission Impossible. Um, I think James Bond gets too bogged down in the lore of James Bond, whereas Mission Impossible is like, no, fuck it. Just throw a train at Tom Cruise. Yeah, I definitely think that they are better movies. I, I like the tone of some of the James Bond movies in terms of how silly they are and how over the top they can get with like weirdo gadgets, whereas Mission Impossible is always the same weird gadget because it's just the masks. Mm-hmm. And the- I have never understood how they don't use that more. Like it's the most broken. Like I know they have all the crazy, but just the fact that you can wear a mask that makes you look like somebody else. I mean, they use it. And in I like have never understood, but I've never understood why they don't do that with random people, so they can have cameos mm. of like, say, like uh, Judy Dench is in James Bond. Mm-hmm. Like get an actress like that, but then have an action scene with like Tom Cruise wearing her face. So you can just have a scene of like Judy Dench doing all that crazy, but or you know some actor or actress that you wouldn't expect that to happen with. It's weird that we haven't got that with Matt excuse Damon. for it. Like the fact we haven't had a Matt Damon mask at some point. Like, where's the crossover of like Jason? Where's like just the scene where Ethan Hunt meets Jason Bourne? Well, that's one of the movies. Is it? Yeah, because um, Jeremy Renner was the replacement for Tom Cruise in like MI4 or whatever. Oh yeah, and, and then he they bring was you back. Jason Bourne pre- at the time. So we had Jason. That's crazy, isn't it? So but I want a crossover with all of them. I want Jason Bourne. I want John Wick. <laughs> I want the Equalizer. And what I really want, I want Jack Reacher as well because he's also played by Tom Cruise in the movies. And then just get Sean Connery in from retirement. Well, he's dead. Did Sean Connery Joss. Yeah, I couldn't remember that. I, like, the last thing in my head, I was like, I knew he'd retired, which is why he, he wasn't in films after, like, um, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I forgot about that. We've but, still got Pierce Brosnan. You can put him in. He can. But he's busy, you know, maybe being a DC character. Nobody's <laughs> sure. Yeah, he's, he's Doctor Fate now, isn't he? <laughs> is he? Is he? Nobody knows anymore. Who the cares, only actor right? that's not coming back from DC is Henry Gavel, and the rest are all just current question marks. But anyway... um. Yeah, the series is mainly produced and stars Tom Cruise, who plays a sociopath known as Ethan Hunt. Oh, he does shoot a lot of people. Well, I was he more shoots thinking, so like, many people. You've got to, you've got to have something wrong with you if you're willing to just do the stunts that this man does. I think that's why it's like I kind of feel bad because like every Mission Impossible movie is always trying to up the stakes, and I didn't mm-hmm. know how they were going to up the stakes from like the fourth one, where it's like Burja Khalifa. Yeah, like Tom Cruise in real life climbed Burj Khalifa and was that shot of him on top of it without isn't, any um, support. Isn't and he there did as that. well? Is that the same movie where he learned to like hold his breath for eight minutes or whatever? Uh, I think six and a half. I think that's the same movie, yeah. And then yeah, he strapped yeah. himself to a plane and then there's like one of those movies where he broke his ankle in real life while filming a shot and that shot made it into the film. Like if you break he your run, ankle runs for a it. shot, you, you want it to be used, don't you? But, I think, but he runs on the broken ankle. Mm-hmm. He runs on it he, because he needed to complete the shot and he just walks off set and went, yeah, I brought my ankle. I think that was maybe also Mission Impossible 4, but I can't remember it completely. Yeah. But yeah, just the idea that yeah he's like thrown himself um, out of the airplane to do that like really cool air diving sequence with somebody actually air diving with the camera yeah with him I, I think to get the shot practically it's oh my god 
I think the like the newer movies kind of overshadow the earlier ones because of the scale. But just some of the little things he did in the earlier movies, like, blow my mind that he did them. Like, Joe, the Mission Impossible 2, or I think it's Mission Impossible 2, it starts in free climbing. Like, they have that shot right, in yes. pla- I don't know which one, but he was climbing I the mountain. Too, yeah. And he does, like, the upside-down shot where he grabs and puts his legs all the way up and around. Mm. He did that in real life. That's really being done on a real mountain without any support. And they only put it in the film because Tom Cruise wanted to learn how to do it. Well, like, he just wanted to learn how to free climb. I mean, that's most of the reason that Tom Cruise is in these movies and produces these movies, because it's like, well, no, if if I own the production company, I can just make myself do whatever stunt I want, whereas... Yeah, because no movie studio would let him do it, because yeah. why would we let our main star risk his life? So just like, what was it how he announced the newest one? Well, like, he was in a plane... Did you see that? No. Like he was strapped to the outside of a plane, and that's how he announced Mission Impossible, the trailer, oh I think. God. Like he just zooms out and he's like strapped to a plane. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, so much of these movies are seemingly just designed to get Tom Cruise off in like the adrenaline junkie kind of way. It really feels like they're trying to kill him. <laughs> it feels like he's trying to kill himself in yeah, just so I mean, the it- most impressive way possible. Like it feels like Joe you know, like Fortune in Metal Gear Solid Two, where she's like cursed to never die because she's too lucky. It feels like that. It feels like he got a curse of being lucky, and it's like, okay, what can I possibly do to uh, test this? I'm gonna strap myself to an airplane and throw myself out of it a thousand miles an hour. That's what I'm gonna uh, climb Burj Khalifa. I'm gonna free climb a mountain. I'm gonna like motorcycle jump. I'm gonna fight Henry Cavill in his prime. <laughs> Henry Cavill in his reloading arms. Oh, do you ever see that interview where Henry Cavill's like, I didn't want to do that, but the director thought it was really cool. Well, it's that he did it in one shot, right? And like, if anyone doesn't know, it's kind of the the uh, yeah, like pump. when he's like walking over to Tom Cruise, he like goes and um, like that. and yeah, he said he did it in one shot, like without really thinking about it, and went in his yeah, head, he was like, just like you know, man, that, that looks dumb as fuck. Do that then, thing you do when you like try to like shake out your arms or something. He was mm-hmm. just trying to shake out his arms because obviously he hurt his hands for the scene because he punches the wall or something. And the director said, "I'll do it." It's like, oh no, that looked fucking awesome, and they were right. It does look it, yeah. really fucking cool. It makes joke because it's like if when we I, I did it, I look stupid, but I'm not like you know three foot wider. If I was three <laughs> foot wider and had a beard, I'd look all right. So like, some things still happen. I think it's Wolf of Wall Street. Do you know the bit like Matthew McConaughey's like just a boom, boom, boom? Oh like that. yeah. That's just something he does as a vocal warm-up. And they just saw him doing it and was like, nope, put it in the no, movie. that goes in. That goes yeah, put it in the movie. It's the same thing with another one of those is Blade, where it's um, uh, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah, you That's said a that lot. that was like while he was just in a phone call with somebody. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was talking to his agent and a writer overheard it and put it in the movie. And Wesley says, like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Why did you put this in? Which it's means, so cool. in real life, Wesley Snipe talks in, like, witty one-liners. Yeah, he talks like Blade. <laughs> he does. Um, but it goes on to say here, Carl, that the films have been directed, written, and scored by various filmmakers and crew, while mm-hmm. incorporating musical themes from the original series by of course, yeah. uh, Lalo Sh- Schifrin, I think. Lalo Schifrin. Thinks okay. like an Italian composer or something. Um, it says starting in 1996, this film so we, series yeah. is like nearly 30 years old. 
It's what I mean, but there's, like you said, it's low-key one of the most successful film franchises. Oh, not not low-key, really, when you get to the later ones. But I, I mean more about like when you think it's not often, because people always talk about Marvel, DC, mm-hmm. James Bond, Star Wars, like Fast and Furious now, um, like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, like, but just because Mission Impossible's just always been there, just doing it. Well, yeah, it's one of those that we never got that thing where it's like, oh, a Mission Impossible coming out every year or anything, so it doesn't no. feel as as like repetitive, maybe. It doesn't stick out in people's minds as much as like one of those big franchises because it has been spread out over nearly 30 years. It feels like you know, it's like Grand Theft Auto, isn't it? It's like every five years, we're just going to drop a Mission Impossible movie. It's going to be fucking sick. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is going to do something insane, and then he's going to go back into <laughs> hibernation, and he'll come back. So isn't it like this new one? They're about to split it into two. Yeah, they had so much footage, they just made two. two. Which, you know, I'm never a fan of. I always think that if you can't tell a story in one movie, like, that movie needs cutting down. It's like every time that it's, you know, watching, like, fucking Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows part one or two. It's like if there's two movies making up, like, a a duology or three movies making up a trilogy to tell an extended story, but each one tells its own story, that's fine. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but like, like Infinity War and Endgame stuff in you that. You can't tell like an actual story within, you know, two to three hours. Like Infinity War was its own story. Oh yeah. Endgame was its own story. They it's they a two parter, yeah. But... They were two parters, but they both individually had their own start, beginning and end. Like beginning, middle and end. And I hope that that's what, you know, the Dead Reckoning Part 1 and 2 is like, but mm-hmm. I hope it just doesn't end on like, oh, it's a cliffhanger and we're halfway through a film. But it could be a literal cliffhanger. We could literally have <laughs> just Tom be. Cruise like, because like, he's done that. Mm-hmm. He's actually done that. It wouldn't, like, I'm wondering if it's, because they've never really tried to do a stunt again, to my knowledge. Like, they always do a new stunt. And I was thinking, have you seen, like, the latest John Wick? I haven't watched any John Wick movie. Uh, okay, well, the latest John Wick, basically, um, they have, like, just a do-over of the three most popular fight scenes from the previous three movies. Right? In the first movie, they have a, a club fight scene. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, they have, like, a shootout somewhere. Basically, in the fourth movie, they do all of those scenes again, but better. Right, yeah. So they, they remake, and basically, like, they just do a... It's okay, so we're going to do the same scene, but like another fight in a club, that's, like, ten minutes long. What they should do, though, is... Just somebody, like, new agent in part two is like, oh, um, hi, I'm, like, a new person. Who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm Ethan Hunt. And he's like, I don't know who that is. And somebody's like, oh, this he's done this, this, this. But they refilm every single major stunt with Tom Cruise now. That's and it's what I'm thinking. But, yeah. Like, a five-minute scene of just, like, we didn't need to put this in the movie, but Tom Cruise wanted to do every stunt again. Because, oh, it's like, is they ever, it's like... Like I said, I think the most I- it's weird that the most iconic shot is probably one of the not the simplest things to film, but relative to what else has happened in that series, like just the coming down from the roof, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, the single most iconic shot from that entire series is like the falling all the way down and stopping himself before he hits the floor. And I would imagine that from um, Mission Impossible, I think Norman Falls Ghost Protocol, um, from there where they had the the Burj Khalifa moment, I think. That's what they were trying to get. I don't think they really had those moments in two and three where they were specifically trying to be like, look at this one thing. Mm-hmm. But I think from number four onwards, it has been the case of like, we need that one screenshot in the trailer to be like, holy fuck, look at what he's doing. 
Mm-hmm. And not not saying that in a dismissive way, they've made absolutely incredible stunts for those movies. Yeah, but the movies are like, more fun to watch as like featurettes. Like, I highly recommend people go onto YouTube and look for like, the behind-the-scenes featurettes on those movies where you can see how the stunts were done. Mm-hmm. Like the one, like the other one of the, all the most iconic shots is um, Iconic is the one with a knife going into his eye. Oh, like, that's God, real. Yeah. That's a real knife. That's Tom Cruise's actual eye. And the actor is being told to really try and stab him. It's held back a chain that's anchored to the floor. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise kept looking at dailies of like, he's not trying to stab me hard enough. And he, and he <laughs> got like, annoyed with the actor for not being like, so when you see him struggling to stab him, because like Tom Cruise, I want to be struggling against the mm-hmm. weight for real. Otherwise, the audience will know that I'm like, you know, it's not real. And there's a moment where like he went a little bit too far and nearly like genuinely just stabbed him. Yeah, yeah. Like they have like shots where you can see it, like he touched like, his cornea because like he was so, too close. Similar to Mission Impossible 3, where they recreate the stunt from Mission Impossible 1, where he goes over the Vatican wall and mm-hmm. drops down on the wire and stops. And it's like Tom Cruise's chest actually dropped and hit the floor a little bit. Yep. And like if he, if they've just made that tiny mistake, they stopped him a little, little bit too late. He died. It's like, well, he, he, hurt himself and if it was a little bit further that would have just like fucking ruined him it was like the very first one like the fish tank escape i've got an article about it on fact fiend about how ridiculous that was mm-hmm. and there's a great behind the scenes bit where you see tom cruise talking to the, the explosives expert and goes okay so when do i start running he goes we'll go on three so he's like what what does that mean and like the guy starts getting irate we'll go on three he's like but i need to know do you want me to go one two three go or am I going on three? And the guy's like, we'll just go on three. He's like, but what When? Do, what do you mean by that? And like Tom Cruise's reasoning is, I don't want to die because there's like yep. eight million tons of water behind this thing. And that he's like, I'm literally one second. Difference. Yeah. And he's just like, go on three. And there's like, he's explaining, like, you can see how exasperated he's getting right. of like, what do you mean go on three? One, two, three, go or go on three. If anyone has is struggling to understand how difficult a conversation could be like that, have you ever tried playing rock, paper, scissors with someone that differs it's, on the yeah. rules from you? Like the one, two, three go of like rock, yeah. paper, scissors kind of thing. It's that conversation, but his life depends on that going the same way. Yeah, like, It's a, like a split second where they had it timed to the split second. And he's like, he's kind of like known for that, isn't he? I think we talked the other day about that thing that leaked of like, oh, here's Tom Cruise being an arsehole yelling at his crew. And it turns out he was yelling at them for not following COVID protocol. You hear him saying that you are not following like regulations for safety. Mm. And it's how are people turning this round on Tom Cruise? He's pissed that production is being held up by on his production of his movie that he's starring in. And Mm. he wants to keep people as safe as possible. And it's like, how dare Tom Cruise be a dick to people that are being assholes about safety protocols? Well, that's always the thing, isn't it? So you always hear about... Obviously, the Scientology thing always comes up, but if you speak to anyone who's ever met him, they say he's, like, lovely. Like, there are people who've worked on movies that he did 25 years ago. They're like, yeah, I still get Christmas cards from him. He, like, mm-hmm. he asks... He's, apparently, he's, he's just genuinely that nice. Yeah. Like, there's um, a bit with Simon Pegg. I think he was on, like, the Graham Norton show. Like, oh, you're filming like a Mission Impossible movie out here right now, and like Simon Pegg says yes, and Tom Cruise asks me to say hello, and if I don't, he'll be annoyed that I didn't say hello <laughs> to know that he asked after you. Oh dear. Um, 
and we'll get on with this a little bit because we haven't yeah. actually got through the wiki. We just at talked all. about Mission Impossible. I like just, talking about Mission Impossible. I, exactly, I like watching that's, that's why I picked this um, because I know we just both like talking about it. Um, so, starting in 1996, the films, um, in parentheses, taking place starting six years after the events of the previous TV sequel series. I love that the TV uh, series yeah. is still is still canon. Um, it's so, great. Yeah, it's all canon. Um, and it follows the missions of the IMF's main field team under Hunt's leadership to stop an enemy force and prevent an impending global disaster. And that's pretty much just the plot of every single one. Something's gone wrong, yeah. <laughs> um, the series focuses on Hunt's character, and like with the television series structure, is complemented by an ensemble cast, such as Luther Stickle, played by Ving Rhames, Benji yep. Dunn, played by Simon Pegg, who have recurring roles, and then there's a bunch of people who fill out the rest of the ensemble cast yeah, in every I, movie. I really like Simon Pegg's character in it. Yeah, and I, I really like the dynamic he has. Really surprised in um, Mission Impossible Three when I saw Simon Pegg. He was like, you know, he's he's one of my favorite creators in in the uh, film industry, and it's like, oh, cool. Simon Pegg's got like a little role in Mission Impossible Three. It's like, no, no, he's become one of like the main Mission Impossible stars. Yeah, like, apparently, I really like that dynamic, and apparently Tom Cruise likes it as well. Clearly, and, yeah. Like, obviously, Simon Pegg's like, oh yeah, it was great at first, but then Tom Cruise like keeps putting me in like situations where I might die. <laughs> uh, There's this a question: Would you feel unsafe in one of those situations if Tom Cruise was there? Probably not. Yeah, that's the thing of like, you know that he's gonna go up, be okay. If Tom Cruise is willing to put his life on the line like that in each movie, and how much he's I, worth, yeah. I would presume that that kind of production is safe because the man running it is the one putting himself on the line and having to rely on it being safe. I just mean if anything went wrong, I think he'd save you. I think he'd get you. Because he's, oh, like, he's right, legit okay. done that. Like he's pulled up, like we see like car crashes and stuff, and he runs out and helps the people. Like he tore a woman out of a burning car, hmm. drove her to the hospital and paid all the hospital bills on his way to work. Well, like he turned up is- and like, oh, I was in a car accident. It's like, uh, you were what? I was like, no, there was a car accident and I helped. I got involved with a car accident. <laughs> yeah. And they, did, and they didn't believe him until like they saw a lady on the news like, yeah, Tom Cruise paid my <laughs> hospital bills. Like, that's the thing is that he genuinely must have a lot of experience. I'm not saying he's a qualified paramedic or anything, but... He's a qualified pilot. Yeah, that's, that's can... the, the amount of experience and qualifications he'll have by naturally doing all this shit over the space of nearly 30 years. Like, yeah. Kind of, yeah, I, well, would, I, I would feel pretty safe around Tom Cruise. So I wrote an article about it, of the fact that like, basically everything you see him do in a movie that he's doing practically, he learns to do. Because he says that he has, like, I think, a minor form of OCD. And he says, the only way that I can ever do something is if I do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the film Cocktail, he learned to cocktail flare. Right, yeah. To, to like you know an expert level, and he can still do that like you know thirty forty years later. When it was like you know the swimming scene, he learned to actually hold his breath for six and a half minutes, which was a record that I think Kate Winslet broke for the new Avatar movie. Kate Winslet, I think so. I want to say Kate Winslet broke it for. I didn't Avatar. even know Kate Winslet was in the new Avatar. <laughs> Maybe she broke it for Avatar, or someone broke it for Avatar. And then... I think somebody did break it for Avatar. I, I can't remember who. Uh... And then Maybe someone, you give that a quick little Google while I double, yeah double check. I know as well. The other person who broke it was like Joe, that lady in the new Black Panther movie. Uh, like the, 
the right hand man of uh, Neymar. Oh right, okay, yeah. Well, that that do you know that really do you know that one lady who looked really fucking cool. Yeah, but she but apparently has, broke the record that Tom Cruise had, and then Kate Winslet broke it. Just, I've got absolutely no clue what the character names of um, all of the new characters in Wakanda Forever were. Mm-hmm. I've only seen the movie once, and it's like, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, Kate Winslet held her breath for seven minutes and fifteen seconds on a set of Avatar: The Way of Water. And I vaguely remember it just being like a you know a social media post of like Tom Cruise suck it. Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck you, Tom Cruise. Like, in a friendly way, obviously. Um, yeah, the series has been positively received from critics and audiences. It's the 18th highest grossing film series of all time, earning over $3.5 billion worldwide. It is often cited as one of the best action franchises to date. Um, the sixth film, Fallout, released in 2018, was the series' highest grossing entry. Mm-hmm. And then the seventh and eighth films are uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1 and 2, coming out in July 2023 and June 2024. And I guess that hasn't been updated with like new numbers for the opening of uh, Dead Reckoning or anything yet. Mm-hmm. But also, I did look up um, the actress from Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. Mabel Cadenia. Uh, um, she almost broke Co- she almost broke Kate Winslet's record, and she was really annoyed that she didn't. Oh, okay. Like, she did it for seven minutes, Kate Winslet did it for seven minutes, Jesus 15. Jesus Christ, though. Still very impressive seven it minutes. It is, yes. But it's like being the second fastest person behind Usain Bolt. It's like, damn. Yeah. I'm like the second fastest sprinter to ever exist, but Usain Bolt's right there. It's like, yeah, oh, no. I'm, I'm a second only to Kate Winslet. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've not seen um, the Avatar sequel yet because Avatar just bores the living daylight out of me, but like... Didn't I even tried to know watch. Kate Winslet was in there. I tried to watch it three times and kept falling asleep. I Ringing couldn't tell you who's in it. I couldn't tell you who's in it. Everyone, the highest grossing movie of all time. And it's, I, I literally could not tell you what happened in the first one. Couldn't tell you, you know, anything really about the second one. Other than both of them look really pretty. Yeah, apparently in the cinema it's great. It's like a great visual experience. Apologies if people can hear just a light banging and my door go. It's like slamming just a little bit because I tried to stop it, but it's very windy today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, we've got just like the. I want to go through like just the years of release of these movies. Okay, so we get like, a, like an idea of the gap. Been going for twenty seven years, and we had Mission Impossible in ninety six, Mission Impossible two in two thousand, um, Mission Impossible three in two thousand six. Actually, I also just want to make note. Number one is director Brian De Palma. Director mm-hmm. number two, uh, John Woo. The third one, directed by J.J. Abrams in his like film debut director role. That's a good debut in a Mission Impossible movie. Because apparently Tom Cruise had like watched things like Alias that J.J. Abrams was directing on TV. Not the TV show, yeah. And they had like... Um, problems with getting a director for number three and eventually Tom Cruise was like, no, I think this J.J. Abrams guy can do it. Yeah. And whether you like J.J. Abrams or not, Mission Impossible 3 is damn good. It is, yeah. And I just looked at Brian De Palma's name. Um, uh, like, it stuck out to me. It's like, what has he directed that I really like? And it's Scarface. Oh, yeah. Duh. I was like, what's the <laughs> film that you've directed that I really like? Obviously, yeah, Scarface. Um, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is Brad Bird, which is the um, Incredibles <laughs> director. I know that. He was a picture for a while. What a good movie that is. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's also the thing, he's really good. He's, he's probably <laughs> one of the best superhero movies ever made. Oh, yes. It's, it's the best Fantastic Four movie we ever got, that's for yep. sure. Um, and then all of them since then, so Rogue Nation in 2015, um, Mission Impossible Fallout in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning in 2023, and then the Part 2 in 2024, they're all directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Let's have a look what he's done then. But yeah, uh, the first oh, thing that not, comes up here, the usual suspects. It's like, usual suspects? Okay. Oh, he did uh, Jack Reacher as well, which I, I, I really like Jack Reacher. Oh, uh, so he probably, what, between Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, filmed Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise? It seems like he's and, just got a really good working relationship with Tom Cruise because all of his movies are. He's on Mission Impossible, Jack Reacher, the second Jack Reacher, Top Gun Maverick, The Mummy with Tom Cruise. as well. Valkyrie with Tom Cruise. But also, weirdly, he also did like a Valkyrie documentary. Oh, right. So he did the documentary like about the... Out of all that. things to make, like out of every one of those movies you just listed to make a documentary about, Valkyrie. That's Which is one of my favorite, yeah. It's one of my favorite films because they had, there's a great interview because the Valkyrie people don't know it's a film about uh, like Staffenberg, I think it was the guy who tried to kill Hitler by putting a bomb in his briefcase, oh, and right. um, it's set in World War Two and set in Germany. And they were when in the lead up to production, they were asking of like when they cast Tom Cruise, like was Tom Cruise going to speak German? It's like no. So is he going to speak in a German accent? Also no. And they asked him, well, you know, it would be distracting if we all spoke with a German accent. And other actors in the film speak with a German accent, but Tom Cruise doesn't. And that leads me to think it's just Tom Cruise couldn't do a German accent. Yeah. <laughs> in that case, why cast him? Like, Michael Fassbender was right there. And was he, he at the German. time, though? Was Michael Fassbender really around when Valkyrie came out? No, but he's like, he looks a lot more like the guy in real life, and he speaks fluent German, because well, he was born there, I Yeah, think. but I don't think he was a known star at the time. No, but Tom Cruise was. Well, that's just that. I just love that one of like. There's other people in the film who speak German and with yeah. a German accent, and just Tom Cruise speaks. It makes him just look like the world's shittiest spy. Because that's the thing is like, if you're in that situation where everybody is speaking in an American accent, because then mm-hmm. you can like that's okay because you can just kind of have that you know narrative dissonance in your head of. It's fine. Just imagine that all of them are actually speaking German accents, but for That's the sake said, of the yeah. movie, they're actually just all talking in Americans to make it like you know more understandable. Mm-hmm. Whatever you can kind of brush it away as like ah whatever. Imagine they're all just speaking in German accents, but when they all are but Tom Cruise, it's really distracting. Yeah, like I said, he makes him look like a really bad spy. <laughs> um, then we'll go to the critical reception. I imagine this has been really solid. Um, well, do you have a favourite one in your head? Or the first one. one. Maybe one that you think will have the best ro- ro- like Rotten Tomatoes. I think Rogue Nation probably has the high, will probably have the highest review, but I really like the first one. The first one's my favourite. So, surprisingly, um, obviously Rotten Tomatoes, we know, is just how many percentage of critics gave it 7 out of 10 or more. It's not how good is the movie. but um, Yeah, people always... Like, call us up on that and say, no, we're speaking generally because that's how people understand it. We understand how Rotten Tomatoes work, but you have to speak generally about it. So, weirdly enough, across Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic and Cinema score, like, it only did okay. Uh, so, Rotten Tomatoes 67%. Is that the first um, one? The first movie, yeah. 
I Meta- think it'd be there. Metacritic is 59 after 29 reviews, so 59 out of 100 for the average score. I wonder what else came out that year then, because I just remember Mission Impossible has been a really solid movie. Like, you got a sequel I, four years later. Yeah, I would have imagined that the critical reception was pretty great for it, but obviously I was four at the time, so I can't exactly speak for what the uh, the critics were saying, but I would have imagined. It's just one of those things where, yeah. It, it's such an iconic movie now. Yeah, I just figured like, it must have got good, because I've always liked it. Yeah, and then Cinema Score gave it a B plus, which is, you know... Definitely better than the 59 on Metacritic. Okay, so just to get an idea of like the uh, the film landscape at the time, like other films released that year. So Mars sorry. Attacks. Mars, Mars Attacks. Attacks. I love Mars Attacks. I know it gets, but it gets like bad reviews, it, I think. It's a cult classic, isn't it? You've got it to be is, in yeah. the right mindset. Um, Happy Gilmore, The Nutty Professor, Jerry Maguire, so another Tom Cruise movie as well. Um, Dragonheart, Independence Day. And I'd argue Mission Impossible is a way better action movie than Independence Day. Mm. Clearly, a, a banger of a year for movies was '96. Just it doesn't the nutty seem to professor. Good. Like, there's a couple of decent ones. Like Twister came out. I quite like Twister. There's Jack, which is like one of like the most embarrassing Robin Williams movies, where he's just playing like a kid, adult, and it's like really awkward to watch. So I'll. I will say as well uh, that we'll I'll go through the Metacritic because it gives you a better idea. Whereas like the mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes just becomes like after goes protocol is like ninety percent mm-hmm. um, because like yeah, that it's hard to argue that those movies aren't just really solid action films. Yeah, I absolutely um, agree. But then yeah, Mission Impossible Two also has a Metacritic of fifty nine out of one hundred. Um, Mission Impossible Three got a sixty six. And I imagine that entire improvement is um, just because they had an incredible villain in that. Because they had Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, I think Carl's died on me. Okay, Carl just caught out for a second. I was saying, Carl, that um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was the villain in Mission Impossible 3. It's hard to fault any performance <laughs> by Mr. Hoffman. And it I is did indeed. Just- I did do another double check, though, and I just realized, yeah, maybe Mission Impossible is not even the best, my favorite action movie that came out that year, because that's the year that Eraser came out. And Eraser is one of the most forgotten Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies, but I, I really like it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it, it is at all. It's just, I, it's the one where Arnold Schwarzenegger fights a CGI crocodile. <laughs> it also has The Rock, which I contend is Michael Bay's best movie. Oh, that's okay. the, It's Nicolas Cage fighting Sean Connery. <laughs> Because Hollywood is so broken right now, I thought you meant a Razor the movie had Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it. And I was like, wait, that's a bit early for the Rock. Like he was only just starting to come up in WWE at that moment. Also, Space Jam came out that year as well. Well, best movie of the year. There we go. Yeah. So it's a pretty good movie. We made fun of it. No, some pretty solid movies came out in 1996. At least, like you know, in terms of cult classics. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then. We get a bit of a bump again on Metacritic for Ghost Protocol going to 73, Rogue Nation oh. to 75, and then um, Fallout got 86 on Metacritic, and Dead Reckoning Part 1 got an 81. So even for just like, you know, dumb action flick kind of movies, like the latest two have got very, very good reviews. I think just the cinematography just got better as well. Yeah. So like yeah. Tom Cruise has always like really embraced like new filmmaking techniques and like cameras and stuff like that, so I can see why. So they're just they're just really good looking movies. Oh yeah, incredible spectacle movies, and yeah, I just think 
maybe my favorite is still Mission Impossible 3 just because of Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance, mm-hmm. but it's hard to deny that they just keep getting better and better in terms of, yeah, as you say, cinematography, pure spectacle and action. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I think it was number four, as I say, had uh, Jeremy Renner in it as the, well, if Tom Cruise is too old to do this now, back in what, like 2011, yeah. then we'll get Jeremy Renner, who's just coming in with the Avengers as like his, you know, canonical replacement. And that's why Jeremy Renner was like, weirdly introduced as like this new action guy in that movie yeah they really try to push jeremy renner as like an action dude for a bit in this yeah he was jason bourne at the same time and obviously he's hawkeye um but yeah it's just weird looking back at that now a dozen years later going they really had doubts halfway through this series that think Tom Cruise has probably had enough of this now. I think he's cut, out of it, yeah. Cut to 2023 where he's jumping off a mountain like, yeah! Let's go. Like, are, is he go- Do you know when they joke about like Fast and Furious going to space and then they went to space? Mm-hmm. When are we going to get Tom... Like, that's the thing, that was like, that's CGI. Tom Cruise might actually go to space. We <laughs> might get a Mission Impossible movie where Tom Cruise goes to space. Like, do you know when Brian Baumgartner did the space jump? How much do you think Tom Cruise has been like getting some like you know annoying producers to do that? Well, that was what I was thinking in my head is that he does the jump from Mission Impossible One where he nearly hits the floor, but he does it from like lower orbit. He might. <laughs> he's <laughs> crazy enough to do it, but he's just got that two millimeter just give on the floor. It's like oh no, yeah. they fucked it up when they were doing it from a roof. What can they do if they're doing it from lower orbit? So that's like, what more could they possibly do to like top what they've done? And then I said that about John Wick, and I mentioned it. You know, you're not seeing it, but mm-hmm. yeah, they have like in the fourth one, there is like a 15 minute one shot fight scene of John Wick shooting people up a flight of stairs. And let's think, this fight is incredible when he gets to the top and then he gets kicked down all the way to the bottom and then he does it again. That that's was what the I mean. One, like, I, I do want to watch all the John Wick movies. Don't come at me in the comments. Mm-hmm. Like, I do have them on the list at some point, but. That out of context, I've seen like that of just he just goes, he just keeps rolling. Yeah, that's the he thing. Never because stops rolling. I'm a, I watched it and I went, "Holy shit, this might be the best shot action sequence I've ever seen." And then they kick into the bottom of the stairs and they do it again with more choreography. It's like holy shit! But like the kicking the down the stairs without the build up looked so just painful bad and comical because like. Is that why is he why is he rolling an extra eight foot than he needs to down well, that, this flight of stairs to go down the next flight of stairs that you don't you didn't need to get down the next three flights of stairs you were fine. They know how funny it is as well because the <laughs> official John Wick like YouTube channel released it like a ten hour cut and it's just called <laughs> it's just called John Wick falling down the stairs for ten hours. At least they can make fun of themselves. <laughs> yeah, they, because they they know like they they. But it's just that thing of like they, he does the entire thing and he falls down the stairs and has to do it again. And I was like, holy shit! It's like they have a fight scene in the uh, what's it called? That art is it the art de triumph? The art de triumph. Yeah. What do you know? The the traffic going around. There's a fight mm. scene in that with the traffic still going, and just like people keep getting hit by cars. And it's just 10 minutes of John Wick shooting people as they get hit by cars. Like, people are ping-ponging between cars and John Wick's getting, like, style... You can almost see, like, the time crisis shit popping up <laughs> on screen. It, like, it is insane, and apparently they're making another one. God. 
I mean, so, I just I want that, but in like the original the raid, where the first half was just in getting up the building and then they kick him back down and you do the raid again. I I still every now and again think about that bit in the raid where that guy jumps someone does a legit spawn kill in real life like where the guy drops into the room and the police officer tackles him before his feet even touch the floor and then just throws him out the window he's just like i'm pretty sure the guy's feet don't even land before someone tackles him or the one where the guy gets tackled and he has the gun and just shoots him at point blank range god those films are so i can't believe they never made a third one Go watch the raid one and two, everyone. How did they? Like, there was a third one that I don't think we can top it. It's like they need to come back and make another one. But I have John Wick in it. Ridiculous. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess just to, to end. Yeah. I guess we've mentioned a couple other stunts already in that, but mm-hmm. is the one that you think like is just your favourite? Not not necessarily the most impressive, but just your favourite to watch. The one that I really like, I think it's Rogue Nation with the wall. Do you like the projected wall that goes forward? I really like yeah. that visual because that's mm-hmm. like really a really interesting set piece. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really fun scene. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where you look at it and I, I, I kind of like watching it and trying to spot the seams. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you have the joke where like Simon Pegg looks into it and you have the giant yeah. Simon Pegg face. <laughs> How about you? I am... Um, I think my favourite that I've seen, I haven't watched like the second to last one or anything. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, apart from, you know, Mission Impossible 3 where he kills himself and like resurrects himself. Apart from that, at the end, he's just like, kill me. Um, I'd probably say the Burj Khalifa is my favourite stunt so far. Like climbing with like the, the sticky gloves. With the sticky gloves. A, just gives a bit of Spider-Man vibes, but B, just the moment when one of them gives... Yeah, and he like falls onto one hand, and it's just Tom Cruise, like one hand stuck to this building. It's like, oh my! Did God. you ever see like that skyscraper movie where The Rock did that, and he does it by putting duct tape on his hands? <laughs> and that's the movie where I think Rock, the Rock's character, has like a prosthetic leg for oh. some reason, and he has to use the prosthetic leg to climb, and he's climbing with his <laughs> fake leg. Well, yeah, he just straps a bunch of like duct tape to his hands and climbs off a skyscraper. Of course, yeah. Perfect. But yeah, I do like, as I say, some of the James Bondness of the fact that he's got like a weird gadget for once and it's not just a mask. Yeah. And the masks are awesome, but... There's plenty of like good gadgets. I like the um, the gum scene as well. Hmm. I do with the gum. Where you got, <laughs> you got, no, it's the gum where you, like, you squish the gum together. It's the yeah. fish tank one where you squish it together and you throw it and it like turns to a bomb. Yeah, I was just saying for the sake of the audience, like, just saying, oh, the gum. I was like, uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, there's the plastic explosive gum. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that has been uh, me talking for a bit too long about Mission Impossible. Ah, it's fine. The movies are 200 yeah. minutes long now. So it's... Well, the movies are apparently 400 minutes long because there are two parts now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah um, I guess we could take a quick minute break where I try and fix this fucking door that's pissing me off. Yeah, no problem. And uh, I will also return momentarily. So, Lucas, we have returned. And uh, before we move on to my wiki entry, we've got any housekeeping for this week? Um, I don't think we have any specific housekeeping. Oh, no, we actually, we do. 
we have audio versions live now. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I just I, I I think it was like literally last week when people were commenting on the video, like when when are we getting audio versions? Is there an audio version for this? Or fine, I'll just do it. And I was up to like four o'clock in the morning, just like if this is what you want, like fine. I had other things to do, but yeah, sure. Just please stop asking about it in the comments. Now we, we have audio versions. Um, we are live. I know for definite on like Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, Spotify. We have an RSS feed. Um, I think we're still waiting on approval from Google Podcasts, but for the most part, nearly anywhere you can find us, uh, we will have the Wiki Weekdays podcast. You can just search for that, and yeah, we can. Finally, I can finally rest from comments being like, where's the audio version? There's going to be someone who still asks, though. <laughs> I'm not going to realize. But yes, um, you can find that link below. Or if you listen to it already, um, uh, hello. Thanks for doing that. Like, you know, Thanks for making it all worthwhile. We don't really get like analytics on those, do we? You I guess you do. You can't tell that I'm waving, but I'm waving. Yeah, you can wave into the microphone to slap it a few times, I suppose. <laughs> and without further ado, Luke, are you ready to cover my wiki entry for this week? I am, and hopefully my door stops annoying me now. Because the the biggest problem with that door is that I hang all of my gaming controllers on the back of it. So just it moving a little bit is like, doof, doof. I'm like, god damn it. It's not great. Carl, what have you brought for us this week? Okay, so today we are covering the wiki entry on the Type 33 Guided Munitions Launcher, a.k.a. The Needler. Okay, I was like... In your head then, you were like, what? It's like, last week you said you didn't want to talk about fucking nukes. Why are we talking about missiles? It's like, no, okay, it's it's the The needler. So, uh, as always, a link to the wiki we're referring to can be found below. We're on the Halo Alpha wiki, and we're covering the needler. And I think the needler might be my favourite fictional gun. I, I was about to say, without even thinking, top 10 guns in video games. Just... Without a doubt. And my main reasoning is, I really don't like how, regardless of how futuristic or crazy or wild a video game, like, with shooter elements in is, they will always just have a gun. It will be just like, it's roughly, and I hate this word, I always pronounce analogous. Analogous. Analogous to something we have in our world. Like, they always have a pistol, a sniper rifle, like, you know, a machine gun. But this is a gun that feels truly alien. They're the energy shotgun. They're the yeah, energy a, yeah. rifle. And that's it's what you like, get. Yeah, you, know, you get like it's, like it's futuristic, but it ultimately functions roughly the same as like you know, there's a, there'll be a real world analog for it. Whereas the needler, I think it feels truly alien, and it is one of like it's an alien weapon that actually looks like an alien piece. Like it's it's it just what is it? How does this work? And I love that in universe. No fucking knows. Yeah, and I think similar to a couple of other Halo weapons that then preceded the needle, like the Spartan laser. Mm-hmm. It's like we haven't really got anything equivalent in real life, and there's like the the like, I think they introduced like a rail gun in like Halo Four, but I don't mm-hmm. like the Promethean design of the weapons as much. Like but even the Promethean weapons, it's like oh, it's a Promethean pistol. Oh, it fires shards of, are, of hard. Yeah. yeah, it fires shards of hard light. Like, but it works like a regular gun, and mm-hmm. you can see that because the Halo series has like human weaponry and alien weaponry and I've always thought that the needler is one of the most inspired weapon designs in that game if not the genre because I can't think of any other gun from any other 
game or piece of media that feels as alien as that one. Yeah, and obviously you can talk about each individual game and how effective the needler is in each one, mm-hmm. but in terms of just uniqueness, design, how iconic the look is, how iconic, like, everyone remembers the needler. Like, mm-hmm. there are a lot of Halo weapons that in my head I'm like, well, there was, like, that plasma grenade launcher thing, yeah. but I'm like... They, they never topped it. The the needler is just the one. And I'd say the Spartan laser comes close, but everyone remembers the needler. And that's the reason it stands out. And I said, I can't think of any other gun in... Like, she played Destiny, right? A lot of Destiny, which is, like, you know, mm-hmm. a spiritual successor to the Halo series. Is there any gun in Destiny that feels as weird or alien or as uh, distinct as the needler? There's quite a few exotic weapons that I'd say feel as distinct. Um, for like one of the ones I'm thinking in terms of just more uniqueness, there's one where it's like it's a rocket launcher, but instead of shooting a rocket, you shoot like a, a void projectile into the sky. It then bursts open and like hovers down and then homes in on enemies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like that stuff like that feels pretty unique, and you do get a lot in. Destiny, where it's just like, here's a fire hand cannon. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like the closest maybe you get is like the Borderlands series, but none of those guns feel like something that's like grounded. And I know I'm talking about like, you know, an alien gun, but like, you know, it's grounded to the universe in which it exists. Whereas Borderlands series is like, oh, we've got walking laser guns because lol, walking laser guns. And they don't feel congruous with the world in which they exist. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the Needler 100% does. So. Before we talk about the needle, we have a quote here from an anonymous serviceman in the Halo universe. It's about as close as it's about as close to a fire and forget small arm as we're likely to ever see, and it ain't ours. This is why we're losing, and it's like yeah, because the fact that it homes in, it, it's so scary. That also brings up one of the worst feeling things in all of Halo that contradicts the law is that one because needle. of gameplay balance. Most of the Covenant weapons are maybe as good, if not worse, than just the human equivalent. Yeah, there is, and there's no human equivalent to the Needler, thankfully. So the Needler is always, and that's one of the other reasons I enjoy it. Of like the assault rifle, the plasma rifle, the the shotgun. You have like um, uh, like the plasma pistol, I guess, because that's like got the instant burst damage. Like the rocket launcher, you have the um, the fuel rod cannon. It's one of the few weapons where there is no human equivalent, so that's, that's why I mean it feels truly alien. But like that thing is, they talk about how incredible all of yeah, this they alien do, weaponry we'll cover that, is. No doubt. And yeah, then like the Magnum is just better than all of it. And that's the <laughs> thing that makes it. the game. That's one of the reasons why like Halo is so frustrating as a fan of the series. Of there's so many cool things in that universe, but as someone who played the multiplayer a lot, the best weapon in the game is the battle rifle, and that's a shame. Like the cool alien gun sucks ass. The thing that be the should be the most fun to play with doesn't really work. But anyway, so the Type 33 Guided Munitions Launcher, more commonly known as the Needler, is a Covenant anti-infantry weapon. It's commonly used by the Sangili, the Ungoi, Skirmishers, the Yanmei, and the Kigyar. Oh, the Kigyar are just the... Um, what are they called now? And they're the cool guys of the shields. The Jackals. The Jackals, that's it, yeah. It's and funny have- because this might be one of the only times where Carl doesn't sit there and struggle with pronunciation because you can tell how much Halo he's played. Yeah, I've read all the novels and stuff as well. So we have him, Manufacturer, The Sacred Promissary. And I think everything in Halo sounds so fucking cool. Just like all of the ship names and stuff, like the fucking Pillar of Autumn. What's like, the thing is, though, 
what's is Pillar of Autumn the strongest one, or is it just um, uh, what is it like? Uh, Prophet's regret. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like oh, even just the names of shit in their universe, like all the the Covenant ships are named after like spirits and ghosts. Like one's literally called the Spirit and a Ghost, mm-hmm. or the Phantom. It's like oh, when a Phantom rocks up, it's like holy <laughs> shit. And just yeah, and it's like um, ammunition type or explosive crystalline shards, fire mode automatic, accuracy high. Of course, it it homes in, it homes in. The accuracy is high on everything but elites because when the elites do the dodge roll, just every single shard misses. I think it's one of the most frustrating things about Halo is when you give a needler to like your teammates and they go, (laughs) and they fire like one needle, and it's like. The only time I've ever seen that work is when I got like a group of like six marines, or we've done in the newest one, Halo Five. I oh, gave right, yeah. you can get like a legendary Halo super, yeah, Halo Infinite. Sorry, you get a, a legendary super needler by like going and hunting down a special unit, and I just respawned that five times and gave all <laughs> and gave it to like five marines and put them in the back of a warthog. And just my war like just there's like you go over the cliff in your warthog and just the cloud. I still think one of my favourite things is driving um, with, like, well, not driving, being on the back of a warthog where you've got an AI driver and then an AI teammate with a rocket launcher. Oh, yeah, they're and amazing. And the combo in, especially, like, Halo 3 when the AI was not very good. But their like, aim was immaculate, yeah. Their aim was great, but the amount of times where it's like, oh, the AI driver is driving off of, like, a ramp or a ledge or something mm-hmm. and then because the AI is locked in on a target it will shoot but then the warthog's already going over the crest so it just shoots the wall that's right next to you, flies your warthog across yeah. the room like it's such was... a dreadful combo that it makes for such an interesting time I still think one of the coolest things I've ever seen in that game is like I had that and it was like you know just the the random warthog going around in like one of the levels in Halo 3 mm. and it drove like it was getting chased by like um, uh, what are they called now the flying ones Banshee it's getting oh, chased yes. by a Banshee and like it drove off the edge of a cliff but the guy in it with a rocket launcher shot a rocket launcher straight up and it hit the Banshee mm. and he's just like he went and hit it in the Banshee explodes. <laughs> oh my god this guy's amazing but well, uh, I- I still just think moments like that were um, some of the best moments. And even when we played Halo 3 a couple of years ago, co-op, mm-hmm. but doing a Let's Play series, it was just, even now, that is some of the most fun I've had playing like a multiplayer game. It's so fun, yeah. It's, because it's just it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. But either way, like the design, for anyone who's not familiar with the Needler, the Needler is one of the few Covenant weapons which isn't based on reverse-engineered forerunner technology. The Needler's top plate has 14 holes from which the Needlers protrude. Um, when the trigger is pulled, the needle is fed from the top into the barrel and fired, and that's why it's fucking terrifying. It d- doesn't fire bullets, it doesn't fire plasma, it just fires a really sharp needle of glass <laughs> that flies... And the thing is, well, what makes it scarier for me is that it goes really slow. So I think if you look at a Needler... Mm. It looks like it fires just fast enough where you could think you'd outrun it, but you wouldn't. So I'm just imagining if it existed in the real world, you'd be running away and it'd be catching up. And that's why I think it's so scary. Because if it went, like, instantaneously, it wouldn't be as, like, cool in my eyes. Because it goes so slow and you can see it coming. And, like, joining someone else has one just fires and you see the cloud (laughs) of need. And he's like, well, I'm dead. But you know that you're dead. But the interesting thing is that they go so slow that even, like, 
a grunt that's running away might get, you know, it might dodge one or two while it's running around a corner. Mm-hmm. Like that's how slow the needles are. But as you say, it just makes it slightly more terrifying if nothing else. Yeah. And it says that a single needle detonation does not necessarily cause significant damage. However, if enough needles make it into their target once, the needle, and this is why I think it's so awesome, will super combine and synchronize their explosion for massive damage, usually an instant kill. And it's like, it's theoretically one of the strongest weapons in the game, so you can just insta-kill anything. But how frustrating is it when you get killed as you've got all of the needles bar like one in them? Yeah, I do and like them. Just about to die, but instead you just see like see them warning away and like critical health is like ping, ping, ping. And just never forget when they gave the ability to have two of them, like this is too much. It's never enough. I, it's, I just remember when we had an entire team of people using needlers in like <laughs> Halo 2, and it's unstoppable. Anyway, ammunition. Razor sharp crystalline projectiles are fired from this elaborately designed covenant weapon. It's widely believed that these needles use heat or an organic signature to home in on targets. And may have some relation to the plasma grenade, yeah. um, which also reacts to like you know um, living tissue, and it doesn't. But they don't know, and this is why I love it. Like they don't know in universe, they study the shit out of this thing, and they don't know how it works. <laughs> and they say the same thing with like the plasma weapons. I'm like, we understand how to w- use them, but mm. we don't know how they are powered. But the Covenant do, and they won't tell us even after like you know you have Halo Three, they team up, and it's like the Covenant, like we're not going to tell you how you recharge them. Because as soon as you understand that, you can make your own, and then we fucked. Even, like, the Arbiter's just like, well, I'm not going to tell you how to make an energy sword, Chief. It's not happening. Yeah, it's like the Needles appear to have some sort of identify friend or foe function, as they were homing on hostile targets, but not allies of the wielder. It is unclear how this works. And that's, again, and the Covenant, we're not going to why would we tell you how that works? <laughs> Although, and I do just- think the Needler is one of those things where I don't, get why they didn't make more weapons based on it because they put like the needle rifle in one game mm-hmm. and then i think in like halo wars you can get a giant needler as like a vehicle edition and you have like oh, and i thought yeah. like they have a scarab that fires needles and i was like why is that not in halo why is that not in the base game like a, a needle grenade it's such a cool concept yeah, i don't understand why they didn't grenades, double down on it not needler grenades, right? yeah why was there not a needle grenade and just yeah, the, the imag- imagine just the damage you could do, as you say, if you get a bunch of scarabs with giant versions of needlers. Well, they have like a needle shooting like wraith in one of the like the RTS games, mm-hmm. and it's fucking horrifying. Like they have like a ship that fires it. It's a flying ship that fires needles at you. The home in, remember. So we have here. So the needles cause two types of damage: penetration injuries that are caused by the impacts of the crystalline needles, and explosive. And they do have, like, behind, like, in-universe material, they talk about, like, soldiers getting hit by these things. Like, one shot instantly incapacitated a soldier. Because it just... If you think about it, like, in the game, it hits Master Chief and it bounces off. Like, in the books, they talk about, like, yeah, one needle. Like, imagine folks at home, like, you know, a butcher's knife hitting you in the leg and then exploding. <laughs> You're not going to walk that shit off. Yeah, because those needles, they, when they penetrate, they... Are massive, even on someone like Master Chief, who's mm-hmm. like eight foot tall or whatever. It's like, yeah, those those things are giant, and just getting stabbed by one must really fucking hurt. Yeah, and that's what they talk about in like in the extra universe material. It's like you have that great, um, probably the best bit of Halo media ever produced. That's not one of the games. That trailer made by Neil Blomkamp. Remember that? Yeah, like mm-hmm. the the live action Halo Three trailer that never got never went anywhere. 
And it was yeah. made by Neil Blomkamp for, I think, for like $50,000. And and it's crazy. the kind of original kind of reason why there was a pitch for him doing the Halo movie. Yeah, or like, you know, because he was bait, and that's how he went on to do like District 9. But mm-hmm. it's one of the best, it looks like in that they show like someone getting hit by like the the um, the brute spiker. Oh, yeah. Which fires like, people don't know, like superheated bolts. Basically, it's a nail gun that fires like nails that are already <laughs> on fire. And they show you a soldier getting hit by one and he's just down for the count instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, that would be terrifying. It's like, it's basically firing like a railroad spike that's like <laughs> superheated to a thousand degrees. And it says here, so there are advantages to the weapon, uh, that it, and it just says it that they home in. And this is one of my favorite things. I kind of wish, again, this is why I wish there was more like a weapon subtype based on it. Mm. They ricochet. And yep. I love that. I love that they ricochet. And one of the things I think I remember when I first picked one up in the first Halo game was like shooting them at shields and just watching them bounce around the room. Mm. Because it's just really cool because you can like, there's some levels where you can like shoot it round corners. And I always know that they didn't double down on that as a tactic of like, do you know, like those portable shields you can get? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you can't get those because what they do in the first game is they get stuck in the shield for like a split second and then bounce out twice as fast. No, okay, and I was yeah. like, what? Because it reminds me a little bit. Do you know, have you ever played Unreal Tournament? A bit, yeah, not much, but a little bit. Are you feeling like the shock rifle? Like how that works? Not overly, no. So the shock rifle, it fires like the big ball of energy, and then you shoot it with a secondary fire, and it explodes. Uh, okay. And I really like that idea of to maximize the potential of this weapon, you've got to be really good. Because I, I think the initial shot does pretty decent damage, and the ball does pretty decent damage, but combined, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And I always thought they should do a system like that with the needle of like making them home in more when they ricochet. Or like maybe do some sort of thing of like build the weapons design around ricocheting them. That would be cool, yeah. Or like, you know, like bubble shield, like, you know, go into a bubble shield and fire and it fires everywhere. It's like, <laughs> but there's just, they've kept its design pretty basic. And in fact, they've actually made it simpler and less alien as the series has gone on because they've tried to make yeah. it more competitive. And you don't want a gun that can do something random because you want to minimize any randomness in a competitive game, which kind of sucks. It does a bit, yeah. The disadvantage are that it doesn't work against armored targets such as vehicles. And due to their size, the crystal items are slow and lose velocity very quickly. So it has a limited range. What happens when they, like, do they just blow up if they've been, if they start traveling too slowly? Uh, they do, yeah. Oh, they just shatter in the air. Yeah. And you can shoot them into the ground, and after a few seconds, they just shatter, but obviously it's the ground. I and think that would have been a cool, like, as you say, that, you know, you mentioned secondary fires, is you were able to kind of place needles into a wall and then press, like, a secondary fire to detonate them. I always thought they should, yeah. I always thought that Halo as a series, they, they kept trying to make it like Call of Duty. It's like, don't make it like Call of Duty, make it like Unreal Tournament, and give all the weapons secondary fire. And that's how you differentiate. Because like you said earlier, like Covenant weapons always suck. And usually yep. they're not hit scan. And hit scan people don't know. And um, like video game terminology is like, it's just when you pull the trigger of a gun in a game, does the projectile it fires exist? Or does this person just instantly take damage? So hit scan means that if you are pointing the gun, it just fires out basically a laser beam and anything in the way will take damage. So you will instantaneously hit your opponent. Yeah, it's not like something where it's a projectile weapon like the needler mm-hmm. where the the projectile physically has to a, travel you know 
it has an element in space that has to travel towards the target and hit the yeah. target. It's just when you are aiming, are they in your reticle? Yes, then it hit. Yeah. And that's what and, hit scan is. And almost every single human weapon in Halo is hit scan, bar a couple like the rocket launcher and I think like maybe a couple others. But all the alien weaponry like it has a as well and stuff. Yeah. All the alien weaponry, all the covenant stuff, has a physical projectile which usually does less damage. That's why I thought all well, the easiest way to do this is give them secondary fire. Like you said, like give them a shock rifle thing or the needler. Make it fire a bunch of needles and like make the make them not equivalent in damage, but give them like weird utility. That makes them like, you know, human guns, powerful, fire in a straight line. Alien stuff though. You could have weird like damage. You could have them like do damage over time, or like, which like, the needles kind of do, I guess. The super combines a good start. Have them home in. Have them like you know stick to armor. Like the it's just yeah. I always thought they well, could do more with the guns. One of the guns that I can think of that essentially does have secondary fire is the plasma pistol, mm-hmm. and the plasma pistol is a godlike weapon because of that secondary fire mode. Yeah, like it's because the it has super, the EMP like, blast, the overcharge. Yeah, that can disable vehicles. And I thought they should do that with more of the covenant weapons. Like you said, like the needle, get a secondary fire. Like I always thought as well, when you melee with it, it should be a one-hit kill. So you I should thought, take the needle, turn it upside down, and bash them on yeah, the head. I always with got it. annoyed that there was never like an option to hit them with the other side and just stick all the needles in them as an instant kill. But you lose all your ammo mm-hmm. because they have got weapons in that game with um, melee modifiers, like the spiker, because it has blades on the bottom. Yeah, does when you melee more with damage. the spiker, it does a bit more damage and. Yeah, just do that with the needler, or as you say, you do like a super melee with it, where it uses up ammo to blow them up. And I just always thought that's that's the path they should have taken. They shouldn't have tried to make it more like Call of Duty. They should have made it more like Unreal Tournament, and they should have give all the weapons secondary fire. But Carl, guess which one makes a lot more money? Yeah, guess, guess which we- one still has games coming out. And it talks about as well like all the different changes. And the thing is, though. Like, the only change I wanted is just, I want different coloured needles. Mm. That's all I'd want. And what you could do, different coloured needles act differently. Just have, like, some fly straight and do more damage or what have you, and they never did that. It's just, no. And that that's one of the, the potential problems with having, um, you know, all those secondary fire modes is that, oh, if you make a weapon do too much, like it's hard to, you know, in terms of competitiveness, tell what your opponent's going to do. And maybe... Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you had different types of needlers where, like, a blue one was a trap needler. Uh, Even just between games. Yeah, a purple one was a a melee needler. And it gives that information across to your opponent of what you're probably going to do with that weapon still. And that's why the silhouettes of so many of the Halo weapons are so distinctive. So you can tell at a distance, yeah. So that, um, yeah, it's just good game design for you to be able to tell what your opponent has weaponry-wise before they've killed you with it. Yeah. Like, alternate, you know, that'd be the alternate fire, maybe. The alternate fire changes the colour. So it's just, <laughs> you know, just, I really like the weapon. It's just a shame that it's never... It's always been useful, but I think all the alien stuff is way cooler, and the fact that it's always been on paper, objectively, numerically worse, mm-hmm. from a competitive standpoint, always frustrated me. Like, every... And that's why the needler always stood out to me. Like, there is no human weapon equivalent, and therefore, it stands out on its own. And we are talking mostly about, you know, the like the weaponry weapons. Like there's, there's a couple of power weapons like the energy sword and the gravity hammer where it's like, mm-hmm. no, they are just power weapons that you go for on the map. But still, someone who's good with a sniper rifle, just way better than you. Yeah. They're going to kill you 
way before you kill them. Yeah. And the only reason that like, the Covenant equivalent even works is it's hit scan. It's the only Covenant weapon that's hit scan, isn't it? The beam rifle. Anyway, yeah. would you like to hear some UNSC remarks about the Needler? Hell yeah. That's what I love like when like the scientists in the Halo universe like testing, like, what the fuck is this thing? I don't know how it works, but the needles can follow you if they can see you. That's more terrifying. And they say see in quotes. It's like, we don't know how it works, but <laughs> if you're behind cover, the needles won't get you. But if you are in the open and visible, they will. And that's something I it's so cool that they don't know how it works. Just the idea that, like, is it is it the weapon? Is it the needles that can see you? Like, what is it? Just Exactly. Um, anything stuck with enough needles will blow sky high. And if a foxtrot is unlucky enough to be carrying grenades, those will go off too. And I love that as well, because that's another tactic of... Um, you can blow up grenades with it, so you can cause like combined like multiple explosions with it. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Um, I caught three in the leg as I was diving behind a wall. They lodged right where the greave meets the boot. When they went off, it damn near broke my ankle and flung little splinters of glass or crystal, whatever the hell they are, all up my left side. The corpsman was pulling the shards out of me for the better part of two hours. That's rough. Yeah. And that's the thing is that when it shatters, it not only shatters in the wound, then it fires. Like Imagine like now, just like... A glass being flung into your face. It's yeah, terrifying. It's a terrifying one weapon. Off, one half of it explodes like a regular bullet inside your body to do more damage. And then the other half is still a glass grenade blowing up in your face. Yeah, and imagine it's like in addition to being stabbed, they also just threw a light bulb at your face. <laughs> Speaking of this, luckily, and listen to me, luckily, the needles only detonate when they're embedded in living tissue. Now that's lucky because it's not going to blow a hole in the wall you're hiding behind or tear the tires off the vehicle you try to escape in. Mm. That would be a cool business, tactic, though. Yeah. Just um, getting them in the tires. The first order of business when dealing with a hostile arm with the needler is finding cover. Second order of business is killing the foxtrot with the needler. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. These, are ter- these things are terrifying. Um, the idea like- that the first thing you do is run away. Yeah. That's what I mean. In Don't universe, it's terrifying. In, in the game, it's like, I guess it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. If you get the drop on someone. You're probably going to get the kill with a super combine, but would you like to hear some trivia to end on about Mr. Needles? Hell yeah. So, in Halo Combat Evolved, the Needler is much larger and heavier than in other Halo games. Uh, and that's why I think it's the best the Needles looks, because it looks really alien, because it's fucking massive. You pick it up, you, you give it to people, and it's like, what is this? <laughs> and I guess that does kind of make sense how, like, in the first couple games, they only fire one needle at a time, because they don't know how it works. And that's what always in- interests, like, intrigues me about the Halo universes because you always see the weaponry through the eyes of Master Chief, but then mm-hmm. the scenes where like somebody will put their sniper rifle next to a regular human and it's just bigger than the human itself because they like these giant fifty cal snipers. It's a massive weakness of the series and it's one that I don't think they've ever really tried to fix, which is all the weaponry is designed to be held by the player, who as you said, Master Chief is seven and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. So you don't want it looking stupid and tiny in his hands, but the side effect of that is, is when you see humans holding like the assault rifle, it doesn't make sense. It's like the assault rifle was built for humans, not Master Chief. Well, obviously they don't want the gun looking t- like a toy in his hands, so it's built for him. Design thing, but in universe it makes sense. It's like, why is the assault rifle that every like rifleman uses four times bigger than they can like wield? Why is the pistol yeah. the size of like everyone's head? <laughs> It says here that um, in Halo 2, there is a lone sentinel that fires needle rounds. That's terrifying. It's a little flying needle. It's apparently it drops a needle when destroyed. I don't remember that. 
It must be like maybe it's a glitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Halo 3, if you look at your shadow while holding a needler, regardless of how many needles are protruding at the top, there will never be any needles visible in the shadow. And that makes sense. It's crystal. The light will just go through. I mean, it, it should technically make some level yeah. of light distortion or something, but that's just, yeah, game development. It says here that the needler is Fleet Master Voronar Mantakri's next to trademark weapon, the other being the energy sword. Yes. And it says that there are customized heavy needlers that are able to strike aircraft and vehicles. And the way they work is they're really good because they home in on the ships because they home in on the people inside. <laughs> so obviously, like, oh, they don't target organic, they don't target like um, metal. But they mm-hmm. target the person inside, so they'll follow the ship around. That is terrifying. If I, all I can imagine is that these needles are like the size of people. Mm-hmm. It says that in other media, um, the needles, the needlers are depicted as being significantly more powerful than their in-game counterparts. With one needle sufficient to cause debilitating pain and a state of shock. But that would not be fun to play against. Yeah. Um, in Halo Combat Evolved on the 343 Guilty Spark and Halo 2 Vista maps, uh, they're the only levels in any Halo game to have needler ammunition outside of the needler. It's the only time you ever see it, normally you just pick it up from the needle itself. Mm-hmm. And it says that the needler ammunition is colloquially referred to as Blamite by Bungie. So there it goes. Kablam, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fair I also love as well, it's what I love how you reload it, where you just go, ka-ching! and all the needles pop out like <laughs> uh, here we go Dr. Halsey mentioned in one of her journals that the needler has completely baffled UNSC scientists it has no internal moving parts in its firing mechanism and therefore the weapon is completely impossible to reverse engineer it has so no internal just, moving parts there's just ammunition inside and that's it it just they, they just don't know how it works that's what I mean that's why I love it it's like they just don't know what it does that would be terrifying to figure out how this machine works. There's no parts inside. Like, how are we meant to figure out what it does? There's nothing Let's say they crack here. it open, it doesn't move. <laughs> they don't know what it does. Uh, but, 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 but. I do like the idea that there's some kind of just sentient creature inside the needle of that. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm it's looking just... at the picture of the ammo when it's just a big crystal. It is? <laughs> just a big crystal. And that's the thing as well. I always thought... Why was there never a level that has like the crystals that base the needle ammo in as like um, uh, a stage hazard? Yeah. Why is there not a level in the multiplayer that has like needler crystals? As like, mm. uh, do we still like explosive barrels have needler crystals that explode into like big clouds of needles? That's something cool. like that. But no, that is the Type 33 Guided Munitions Launcher, aka Mr. Needly. I fucking love the needler. Is the it coolest thing in Halo? Thirty-three, so it can be like the N33 Leet Speak Needler. No, it just says that like most weapons are um, named for just when they were discovered by humans. So it's called Type Thirty-three because it's the thirty-third Covenant okay. weaponry that humans like encountered and then catalogued. So it's like, I for wasn't example, sure if it was like someone had spelled it like N33DLER. No, it's like, nothing like that. Like yeah. for example, the plasma pistols called like the Type Twenty-five. Okay. Uh, so it's just basically, it's just what number did we find it? And it's like, yeah, the needle's like one of the 33rd weapons they encounter. It's just, I would just, it's, I've, I've, said, I've said it before, if someone can like direct me to one, I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to have a look at it. And it is, I, I do people get like a recreation of like 
a long claw from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, um, well, like um, as a Destiny fan, they they've sold quite a few of the like exotic hand cannons and stuff as replicas. Yeah, and it's like, okay, cool, but where's my needler? Mm-hmm. I want like is there someone out there who's made like someone on Etsy must have surely a needler with like actual quartz crystals in it? So I think if you if I had one of them, I'll put in like a glass case in my house with lights on it. I think that'll look really fucking cool. I don't think anyone's made them with like proper crystals, but I've definitely seen people have like three D printed ones with little like LED plastic needles yeah. coming out. Needler Etsy. There's got to be someone who's made like a needler, aren't there? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, someone else, yeah, there's someone on Etsy who's made one. But it's, yeah, it's like it's got paper crystals in it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's out of stock. <laughs> it's a shame. Like, you always like actual crystals in it. That's what's terrifying. Also, I love as well, there's like people cosplaying with it, and it's fucking massive. Because, <laughs> of course, it is. It is. Because it's, it's actually wielding like eight foot tall aliens. Uh is that that one? Have you ever seen that? Is that guy who's like seven feet tall who cosplay Kratos? And it's like, this is what Kratos would actually look like. And he's fucking terrifying. <laughs> he's an actual like seven and a half foot tall dude with a big beard. And yeah. he's like super built. And he's like, oh, he did a, co- a Kratos cosplay. And it's like, people are stood next to him, like up to his like chair. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that's, that is um, the L Needler. I'm curious about which one was because I really like Mission Impossible, but I also really like the needle. This is a podcast for me this week. I mean, podcast for both of us, really. Mm. Yeah, we uh, we both brought something that both of us enjoy. We did. Like, sometimes it's fun to to kind of guide the other person's tips, and sometimes it's fun to to come in and just geek out about stuff that we already know about. Let's talk about needles. Pew, pew, pew. It's yeah, the best really. noise. Carl, Carl doesn't like needles in real life, though. I don't, I'm not bothered by needles. Have you ever seen someone who's scared <laughs> of needles? I know, I know many people that are terrified of needles. I remember there was like in school we had to get the TB jab. There was a kid at 15 years old. He was that scared. Like they had to be held down. Keep in mind, he's like 15 years old. It took four people to hold him down. Uh, that because obviously exactly he said, like, must- you're going to have to hold me down. And yeah. like all his mates tried and they could. That's when the gym teacher in like, to hold him down. Apparently it took like near enough for an entire day of school to get my sister to get that job. Because she was just like fighting off the nurses and like so, did not want it at all and had to call my mum into school to like go and just calm her the fuck down and shit. It took hours. See, in my head, if I was that like um, uh, person doing that injection, what I'd do is I'd, I'd just say, okay, sign this piece of paper and like, what's that for? So I'd give me permission to get you. <laughs> and I'd say, go, go to class. I'll see you soon. You won't know when I'm at. And just like, just at some point, they sneak off on them with a needle. They make it like Assassin's Creed. I'd like oh. it like, come out like a hidden blade. Like, <laughs> you now can't get COVID. I've just got the um, the image in my head of like, you know, you go get your school lunch and like you open up a sandwich and a needle just flies out and hits you like, yeah, and, I got you. Oh, dear. But yes, I guess everyone in the comments just let us know which wiki won this week. Yeah. Either way, we're the winners, Carl. Yeah. Cheers, everybody.